What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Maggie Latondris on today's episode. I am so excited to get to know a little bit more about her, her journey, her story. Maggie, I'm just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you'd like. Okay. Um, so my husband, my husband and I met um, in college, like in April 2009. Um, we dated throughout college um, pretty much. And then when we graduated, we got married in June of 2015. Um, and we really weren't thinking at the time, like that we would want to have a baby right away or anything like that. We were still pretty young and just like starting our jobs. Um, my husband's an accountant, um, and I'm a speech therapist. Um, so we kind of wanted to, to get into our jobs a little bit more and get settled before we had kids. Um, so in that time we got a dog, um, bought a house, all that kind of stuff. And then, um, by, like the spring of 2017, we were like, all right, like, I think it's time maybe we can have a kid or try to have a kid. Um, and it happened like way faster than we thought it was going to. Um, I got pregnant like right away, um, in March and that pregnancy was super normal, like no issues. Um, I had my son in December of 2017. I definitely feel like that gave me just like a false sense of security, I guess that, Oh, we had a kid, nothing could ever happen bad after this. You know, when we want to have another one, it'll be easy just like this was. Um, so when he, well, we were planning on waiting until he was about 18 months, um, to try again for a second. Um, but at the time I was breastfeeding and I didn't really want to be on any birth control, um, just cause it made me paranoid with the hormones and stuff. Um, so we were just using condoms and one time we didn't and got pregnant in that August of 2018. So my son wasn't even a year yet. Um, and you know, initially I was kind of freaking out about it. Um, but by the time our first appointment came, I was excited and all that. And I didn't even cross my mind that anything could be wrong. Uh, I just assumed everything would be fine, just like with my son. Um, so we went in for our first appointment. I was probably, I was supposed to be like eight weeks, I would say, um, at that point. And this was probably in September of 2018. And um, we went in and my cycles had been really abnormal, I would say, because uh, I was breastfeeding. So I would get a period and then I wouldn't get a period for like a month. So I really didn't know like how far along I was. Um, so my doctor just wanted to do an ultrasound. So we went in and um, they, you know, they did the internal one and you could see on the screen right away that something was just like not right. It was just like a black hole. Um, on the screen. Um, and so then the, the nurse, you know, does the whole, oh, you might just be not as far along as you think you are because you're unsure of your dates. And I was like, oh, well, 
yeah, I guess maybe that could be true. Cause I wasn't a hundred percent sure of like the exact date I had gotten pregnant. Um, so they were like, just come back in a week. Um, and we'll check and I'm sure everything will be fine. So I went home and I would say like, I'm naturally like a worrier in general. So I just, that was just like the worst week of my life. I would say like at that point, just waiting and Googling. I definitely over Googled for sure. Um, Cause you see these people online like, Oh, you know, we didn't see a heartbeat till 10 weeks or whatever. And everything was fine and it was perfect pregnancy. So I'm like, well, maybe, maybe everything will be fine. Um, so we came back that week later and um, it was the same thing. Like they put the ultrasound thing in and it was just the black hole again. And then at that point they were like, well, you're so unsure of your dates. Maybe we're still just too early. And at that point I was like, really? I mean, come on, there's no way that I'm that off with my dates that, um, that it would still be too early. So they're like, oh, well, let's bring you back in another week. So at this point it's been like three weeks, two, two and a half weeks of me just like, you know, in limbo. So like, I'm pretty sure that it's not going to be viable, but they won't do anything about it because they're on, you know, unsure of the dates or whatever. Um, so it's just like a weird feeling knowing you're carrying around a non-viable pregnancy for like two and a half weeks. Um, knowing it's not probably going to be good, but just waiting. Um, so we came back that week later and um, it was the same thing, just like the empty sack. Um, so at that point they were like, yeah, it's definitely um, not viable. So you have like the options of waiting for it to happen on its own to use the medication or get the DNC. At that point, I was just like, so over it um, with all the waiting that I just wanted to kind of get it over with. So I had the DNC in October of 2018. Um, I would say like that miscarriage was probably the easiest of all of them for me, just because we were not trying at that time. It was a surprise. And I had known a lot of people who had had um, one miscarriage in their life. So I figured, all right, well, we got our one out of the way. Like when we want to try again, um, we should be good. Um, Cause I didn't know anyone that had had more than one miscarriage at that point. Um, I just figured it was something like a fluke that happened and then it won't happen again. So I was like, well, you know, when we want to have a baby, we'll be good. So we waited until May of um, 2019 to try again. And again, we got pregnant the first month of trying um, right away. And I was so excited, like, okay, this is going to be um, our rainbow. You know, our, everything's going to be fine. Like it can't possibly happen twice in a row. Um, and then a week after I found, I was, found out I was pregnant, two of my best friends also texted me and said that they were pregnant and we all would have been due in February of 2020. So next month. Um, and all three of us also have our first child and, um, all three of our first children are the same age. They were born within a couple of months. We were like, this is perfect. You know, we'll have 
the same maternity leave. Our kids will be the same age again. Like it just was so everything seemed so perfect. Um, so at the end of June of 2019, I, um, would have been probably like around eight weeks at that time, seven, eight weeks. So we went in for our first appointment. Um, and my doctor, he doesn't do the HCG draws. So I had, you know, I had no idea what I've never had those done before. So I had no idea like what my levels were. I just assumed everything was fine. Um, so we went in and he did an ultrasound because I had had a miscarriage before and he will do an ultrasound if you've had a miscarriage just to give you peace of mind. So we went in and I was just, you know, didn't even cross my mind that it could be another miscarriage at that point. Um, cause I was having a lot of symptoms for this pregnancy. So I figured everything was fine. Um, so we went in and I laying down and they put the ultrasound in and the second she puts it in, I, I see it again, just the empty sack, the black hole <laughs> staring at me. And I just immediately like shut down. I just stared at the ceiling, started just bawling. Like I knew the second she put it in, I knew it was the same thing. Um, and it's just the worst, the worst thing to see is that stupid black hole just staring at you. Like it's like this gaping hole of just emptiness. And it's just, uh, it's the worst feeling. Um, she put in, she's looking at it for a while and I already knew what it was. And she's like, I'm not seeing anything on the screen. Are your dates? Are you sure of your dates? I'm like, yeah, I'm sure of my dates this time. Like, there's no way that I'm not as far along as I think I am. And so the doctor comes in and I'm just like a complete mess at this point, like just bawling. Like I'm not even hearing what he's saying anymore other than, Oh, this can happen. You know, it's just a fluke, you know, two times in a row. Um, and he's like, I don't want to do another DNC because it can cause scarring. But for me, I just wanted it to be over at that point. He's like, we'll come back in a week and we'll see if there's been any progress. So that week was really hard. Like, cause I knew that it was over. I knew there was no chance that, that my dates were wrong. I knew there was no chance there was going to be any change at all. Um, so I would just pretty much given up hope at that point. And my husband is such like an optimist. Um, he was like, Oh, you know, just listen to the doctor. He said, there's still a chance. Like, and I completely just shut down at that point. Like, Nope. I was, didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to hear that he had any hope because I had none. <laughs> and, um, so we came back that week later and it was just the same thing, obviously. And he was like, I want you to try the medication this time, the misoprostol or whatever it's called. Um, and I was just like, whatever, I didn't even care. Like whatever he recommended, I was just going to do. Um, so I went home, um, and took the first dose and like nothing happened. Like I didn't have any spotting. I didn't have any cramping. I like laid in bed. My husband entertained my son the whole day um, and nothing happened. So I called the doctor and he was like, yeah, that can happen. I'll give you, I'll send another dose to the pharmacy. So I go and refill that prescription. It's just like, uh, it's just a terrible feeling. Like, going to the pharmacist to get medication to end a pregnancy that you wanted so bad. So um, I got the second dose and I took it and 
again, nothing happened. Like no cramping, no bleeding. I felt exactly the same. And at this point, I'm just like, this sucks. Like, I just need this to be done. Like, I can't keep doing this with all the waiting. And I just want it to be over because I know I'm carrying around a non-viable pregnancy. And it's just the worst feeling. So um, I just was like, just, I just want the DNC. Like, I just want it to be done. But of course, this is at this point, this is the 4th of July. So like, they're not going to, they have nothing available on the 4th of July or like that weekend. And so I'm like, so I'm going to have to wait like another week. But luckily they were able to get me in July 5th and I had the DNC. Um, the problem was the following week we were supposed to go on vacation because I just, I never, never crossed my mind that that anything was going to be wrong with the pregnancy. So we had scheduled this vacation to go up north and um, we, a friend let us use their condo in Door County. I don't know. People probably don't know what Door County is. It's like a getaway in Wisconsin kind of place. Um, and I was like, I really don't want to go. Like I was just so depressed and wasn't in the mood to be on vacation, but was really important to my husband like he really thought thought it would be a good getaway so I just agreed to go and it was just the worst it was you know the you have to put on a brave face and smile even though you feel like you're just dying on the inside it was I feel like it was not a good a good thing for me in like my healing process right after the DNC to just go and just have to pretend for a week that I'm so happy and smile for pictures and pretend I'm relaxing for that week. And even though I felt just horrible and while we were on vacation, my friend who was also pregnant at the time sends me a picture of her ultrasound and the heartbeat and Oh, everything's so great with my pregnancy. And she didn't know at the time that that I had lost mine, but I just had a complete mental breakdown on this vacation. Like it was ridiculous. Like I'd lost my mind. <laughs> like my son was asleep and I'm just out in this condo, just bawling, like uncontrollably. Like I just completely had reached my limit. And uh, so my husband's like, well, maybe we should, should look into getting some testing done. So I called my doctor the next day. Am I my OBGYN, I love him, but he's very old school and essentially was like, I don't really believe that miscarriages can be caused by anything other than chromosomal abnormalities. He's like, I don't think you need to do any testing or I'm not going to do any testing for you. And that just like crushed me. I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? Like at this point, I'm, I'm convincing myself that something else has to be wrong because why would I have two miscarriages in a row? like didn't make sense to me so I'm like well then I need to find a new doctor because I can't accept that you're not going to test me for anything when I'm like begging you so I'm on this vacation googling doctors in my area that specialize in this kind of stuff and um find somebody the first person I found that was in my insurance I just called them I didn't really do a lot of research or reviews on them because I just kind of felt desperate at that point. Um, and so I made an appointment with this reproductive endocrinologist in um, the Milwaukee area where we live. Um, 
I made an appointment with her. Um, and at that point, she didn't have anything available until like a month out. So we would have to wait. But um, in that time, that month that we were waiting, I just like completely feel like I lost it. Like I became obsessed with taking pregnancy tests to make sure my HCG was going down. Like I would take them multiple times a day. It was like controlling my life. I just like was obsessed with seeing the line get lighter and lighter because I wanted to get to zero because I'm like, we have to start trying like as soon as this doctor will let us, like I have to get pregnant again or I'm never going to be happy again. Like it just became an obsession for me where it was definitely controlling my life. And at that point, because I work for the school, so I'm off in the summer with my son and like it was just so hard to put on a happy face all day with him because I had to just mask that I was feeling so depressed and just sad all day I would have to just put the smile on my face and by the end of the day every day I would just fall apart like it was just too much I was bottling up all my emotions I just wanted to seem like I was okay when I just wasn't and it was definitely just taking a toll on me as a mom and as a wife like I just felt like I was failing at everything um so we had this appointment with this reproductive endocrinologist I went in for my first appointment with her and um right away I just didn't have a good feeling about her I don't know I just we just had a I just came in to to talk with her and she'd go over my history but I just, I just could tell that something that I just, it wasn't a good fit, but I was so desperate at the time that I was just like, whatever, she's going to help me. So just get over it. But she was, she would sit there and talk about other patients. She wouldn't give their names obviously, but like she would kind of go off on these tangents, like, oh, I have all these patients that I've helped. And this person has her husband had some kind of weird syndrome. That's why they couldn't get pregnant. So they would, they had to do IVF with donor eggs. So that'll be an option for you. Or this person, her husband was an alcoholic and that affected his sperm count. And that's why they couldn't get pregnant. So they had to use donor sperm. Like she would just talk about all her patients, like very nonchalantly that had nothing to do with my situation. It was very strange. And she never even like really reviewed my records with me. She just kind of go off talking about everything great she does for all these patients. It was just, she was very odd. I don't know. And so I left that appointment feeling like I didn't have any kind of game plan. Like what am I supposed to do from here? So I call back and I'm like, I want to get some testing done. So they ordered um, like a, a recurrent pregnancy loss panel. Um, so I had that done so that, to test like thyroid stuff and clotting and all kinds of stuff. So um, I had that done and about, I would say like five days later, I get a text message from the doctor like late at night, like eight o'clock at night. She said, I got your test results back. There are some very concerning things on the results. It's too much to, to talk about over text message. I'll tell you at our next appointment. 
Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of that before. Like getting a text I, with that kind of info. Right. Oh. And I thought maybe this is normal. I don't know. Like I'm so desperate <laughs> for any kind of help at this point that I'm like, Oh, that maybe this is what we do. I don't know. Yeah. So I'm like, well, this is scaring me. Like, I can't wait a week for you to tell me what yeah, these results are. Like, how do you sleep after that? I don't. I Google. <laughs> so she gives me like, these are the things that came back abnormal. These like three things. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what this means. Like, I don't know what these things are. Well, it's too much to talk about over text message. So I'll tell you at your next appointment. Sorry to interrupt today's episode, but we are sponsored by My Vitro. After three miscarriages and two rounds of IVF, Danielle Hall started My Vitro to help other women struggling with infertility. Frustrated with the options available to store her expensive fertility medications, she created the Fertility Caddy to organize all of the needles, vials, injectable pens, and supplies that are necessary for a treatment cycle. Feel prepared and ready to take control when that giant box of drugs shows up on your doorstep. Use code LAM, L-A-M, for 10% off of your order at myvitro.com. And as always, thank you for supporting the sponsors who are supporting our show. Now let's get back to it. So, of course, I go to Google. I'm Googling things like crazy for a week. I turn into this psychopath where I can't stop Googling. My husband's like, you need to get off Google. I'm like, I can't. Like, I'm convinced we're never going to have another child because these results are so terrible. Like people online, I mean, some people are going to early menopause from these results. And I'm like, that's it. Whenever I have another kid, like I'm convinced. So I go to this appointment and I, I, I didn't, I should have told her, like, I think it's inappropriate that you texted me, but I'm so desperate. I don't want to like make her mad. So I go into this appointment and she's like, okay, well, your thyroid results came back very abnormal. I was like, okay, what does that mean? Like, she said, you have Hashimoto's. And I was like, okay, I don't know what that means. Like, tell me. So she's like, your thyroid antibodies were very high and your thyroid hormones were very low. I was like, okay, is that why I've been having miscarriages? Well, there's no way for me to know that. And I'm like, okay, so what do I do? She goes, oh, I guess you can go on levothyroxine. Like, okay, sure, give it to me. I'll take anything. She's like, also your clotting stuff came back abnormal. So I want you to see a rheumatologist because I think you might have lupus. I was like, what? You think I might have lupus? She's like, I'm not sure though. So you should go see a rheumatologist. I'm like, oh, all right, great. I'll go see a rheumatologist. And I was like, so am I ever going to have a baby again? She's like, oh, yeah, the results, they're pretty, this is pretty normal stuff we see. Like, well, you told me over the text message, it was very concerning. She's like, well, we'll see. Like, she was just very weird about it, nonchalant. Like, this is something she sees all the time. And I'm like, well, I, I've never been through any of this kind of stuff. So whatever. So I make this appointment with this rheumatologist. And he's like, no, that's crazy. You don't have lupus. Don't listen to her. You're fine. So he did another test for the clotting and everything. This time came back normal. And he essentially just said, go on a baby aspirin. So I took that along with the levothyroxine. And then I'm like, so now what? Like, can I get pregnant? Like, should we wait? So I call this the doctor and she's like, yeah, yeah, I don't see any reason why you can't try again. So I'm like, all right. So I'm taking this, the levothyroxine, the baby aspirin, and then we start trying again um, in September and get pregnant 
the first month of trying again. At this point, I'm starting to think it's kind of weird that we get pregnant the first month of trying every time. But then, I, of course, I Google that, but that's for later. Um, so at that point, I get pregnant and I call her, and I'm like, like the day I get that positive pregnancy test, I call her. And she's like, all right, I want you to do the HCG levels. Okay. I'm like, okay, I've never done that before. So I go in I get the first one drawn and it was where it's supposed to be. She's like, okay, come back two days later for the next one. I come back and they're doubling, sometimes even tripling. I did this until I was like five and a half weeks and the numbers are looking great. They're into the thousands by now. Like she made me, made it seem like they were great. So I'm like, well, what about my thyroid? Like you, am I supposed to get this tested again? She's like, Oh no, you had it tested in August. And I was like, well, that was before I was pregnant. Like, shouldn't I get them checked again now that I am pregnant? She's like, no, I don't think so. And I was like, well, I would feel better if we tested them. So I go in and I'm in this doctor's office and I'm sitting there with the nurse and I'm like, you know, I just feel like something's wrong. I don't have any symptoms. I'm not, not even my boobs don't even hurt like nothing. She's like, well, your HCG levels are perfect. This is, this is definitely going to be a good pregnancy for you. And I was like, Oh, okay, great. I just believed her. Um, so they took my thyroid or my blood for the thyroid test and it comes back a couple days later and my levels are like, not good. Like my TSH went way up and they're supposed to be under 2.5, I guess. And it was way higher than that. And my thyroid hormones were way low and so I was worried of course that this is going to cause another miscarriage so I call her and she's like oh yeah you know they're a little off but I think we should just monitor and I'm like well I've been looking at googling it and it should be under 2.5 and she's like well okay I guess we can increase your levothyroxine so we did um and I had so I took that and then um I came in for my first ultrasound at the end of September, came in and I just, I just knew something in my gut was telling me that it was not going to be good. Um, so I just went in just kind of already feeling defeated. So we go in, I have the ultrasound and she puts it in, puts the ultrasound stick in and I just see it again, just the empty stack again. And I just, immediately just looked away. I was like, I don't want to see the screen. Don't show it to me. I already know what it is. And she's like, yeah, I'm not seeing anything. So this point, I don't know, for some reason after this one, I just was mad. Like, I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, why does this keep happening to me, to us? I was pissed. And then, so the doctor comes in, she's like, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's not, it's not looking like it's going to be viable. I'm like, yeah, no shit. Like I see it on the screen. It's another empty sack. She's like, well, why don't you come back in a week? And I was like, no, I don't want to come back in a week. Can I just come back in a couple of days and get this over with? So I came back in a couple of days, still just no growth and empty sack again. So at this point, she um, wanted to test the baby for genetic problems. So she's like, you have to have another DNC. She goes, I'm going to be honest with you. This will be your third DNC. It's probably going to cause scarring. I'm like, great, thanks. I know that already. So she's like, well, so we have a couple different options. The first, um, you could go to the hospital and have 
the DNC under anesthesia, which is what I had with the two previous ones. Um, or you, we could do it in the office, which I never had that option before. So I was like, well, what do you recommend? She goes, it'll be faster and cheaper for you if you do it in the office. And I was like, all right, whatever. So I come in, this is October now, 2019, um, to the office. So she prescribes me like some, some stuff to relax me, but I'm going to be awake during the procedure. So as I'm sitting there, I'm like kind of starting to regret this decision. I was like, I don't know if I really want to be awake for this, but I'm already there. So whatever, whatever they gave me to relax me didn't really work. I was kind of freaking out. And my husband can't be there for it, you know, for sterilization purposes or whatever. So I'm there alone. And um, I'm just laying there and all these people are coming in. Um, and they set me up, you know, like with the ultrasound there checking and as i'm laying there legs up you know getting ready for this procedure the nurses and the, t the doctor are having like this personal conversation about their daily lives as i'm sitting here getting ready for a dnc talking about what they did the night before oh i made indian food and it was with curry and it was very spicy and i'm like really this is happening right now you're having a personal conversation and I'm about to have a DNC. So they, you know, they start the procedure and it's just, it was the worst decision I ever made was to do this awake because you hear everything. Like, it's just awful. They have the ultrasound screen right there. You can see it. They're not even making an attempt to, to hide the screen. She's putting the suction in. I'm just hearing everything. Like it was one of the most traumatic experiences of my life. Because you're laying there and you know that they're sucking out what is left of your baby while they're having personal conversations about their life. Like it's no big deal to them. And I'm laying there just bawling. No one even acknowledges that I'm freaking out. And just the sound of them suctioning it out. I it still, I have nightmares about it. Like it's, it was traumatic. If I can give anyone advice, it's never do a DNC awake. It was the worst decision I ever made. And it lasted so long because she wanted to make sure she got everything out. And you're just laying there awake for the whole thing. It's, they shouldn't put people through that. It's awful. So um, they sent off, you know, what they could for, to get tested. Um, she just sent me off essentially, um, and also recommended that my husband and I do like a blood test to see if, um, either of us had what's called like balanced translocation where like, if you have that, there's something like, um, mixed up with your chromosomes and you're way more likely to have miscarriages. Um, so we had that done and then they tested what they took out for um, the chromosomal abnormalities. So these take a while to get back. So I would say like three weeks after that, we got the results back um, for the balanced translocation that both my husband and I luckily didn't have that. Um, so we were happy about that. About a week later, so about four weeks after the DNC, we got the results 
from uh, what they took out. So this was a Saturday um, morning. My husband is outside playing with my son and I was putting away some laundry. And I get a text message from this doctor at like nine o'clock in the morning on a Saturday saying, essentially, you gave us the chromosomal abnormality that the baby had. It had an extra set of chromosomes. So um, like two sperm fertilized one egg, essentially what she said. And she goes, this chromosomal abnormality is most often associated with a molar pregnancy. So I'm going to recommend you not get pregnant for six to 12 months. And that's all she said in the text message. And I was like, what, what do you mean? Like we can't get pregnant for like a year now. And she goes, Oh, sorry. I'm with another patient right now. I can't, um, I can't give you any more information over text. We'll have to wait until we have another appointment. So I'm like, well, what am, what you, like, this is just too much information for text message. Like, you can't do this to me. Like, this is a Saturday morning. What am I supposed to do? And then she never responds again. Um, so the next week I make an appointment to meet with her. Um, and she essentially says, I, I don't think you should get pregnant for six to 12 months. We need to monitor your HCG to make sure you don't have a molar pregnancy. Um, she says, usually what we do when we do these DNCs is part, some of the, what they take out, they send to pathology and some they send to genetic. And then the pathology will determine with 100% accuracy if it is a molar pregnancy. But we didn't have enough tissue to send them to both, so we could only send it to, to the genetic testing, so we don't know if it's a molar pregnancy or not. At this point, I'm just like so over this doctor. She's just unprofessional. The text messaging is just not jiving with me. So I want to switch doctors at this point. Um, so I find a new doctor, and I have all my records sent there. Um, and this my old doctor, um, the old reproductive endocrinologist sends me a text message and she goes, I see that you're no longer going to be um, my patient. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm switching doctors. And she goes, oh, I hope there's nothing I ever did. So I responded and I said, you know, I thought it was inappropriate that there were personal conversations during my TNC and I, I just don't feel that this is a good fit. And she never responded again, whatever. Um, and then I get it. Um, I go to this new doctor and um, she was just like floored about our experience with this endocrinologist. Like she was just very apologetic, like couldn't believe all that stuff that she had done. Um, so I felt like this new doctor was a really good fit. Um, so we had more testing done on my husband to make sure like, cause he had never had a semen analysis. So they did that. Um, Everything came back fine with that. Um, and um, I ended up not having a molar pregnancy. They checked my HCG and it had gone to zero. So that was fine. She said, essentially, you can start trying again, whatever you want. Um, so we started trying again um, in November of 2019. Um, and I did get pregnant again. Um, and so this pregnancy, I'm now 11 weeks and everything seems to be um, fine with this pregnancy. So that's pretty how much. did you, how did you feel going into your first ultrasound? 
Oh my gosh. So with this new doctor, she did the HCG and at like five weeks, my levels were like 19,000. So I was like, oh wow, they've never been that high. Yeah. But of course I'm still convinced that something is, is not great. And she's like, why don't you just come in for an ultrasound now? This is like five weeks, six days. And I was like, no, I don't want to, like, I don't want I don't want an ultrasound. I just want to pretend that this is like not happening. Uh, she's like, I think you need to come in for an ultrasound. So at five weeks, six days, I came in and I'm literally laying there and I'm like, I don't want to see the screen. Don't show it to me unless there's something there. So she puts it in and like, it's probably only like a couple seconds, but it feels like an eternity of her just looking at the screen. And I'm like, nope, there's no heartbeat, right? Nope. Don't show it to me. Like, I know, I know what it is. I'm already crying. She's like, no, I see something. And I'm like, what? She's like, I see a heartbeat. And I, I like started shaking. Like, she's like, are you okay? I'm like, no, like I'm, my legs are shaking. Like this, my adrenaline is just all over the place. Um, I was, yeah, it was definitely, I was very nervous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For that first for ultrasound. Sure. Um, and she's like, I, I think you need to come in for more ultrasounds because I, I mean, I was like a wreck. Like I'm crying, shaking. She's like, are you going to be okay? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> She's like, so, so I came in the next week. I had an ultrasound like every week until to 11 weeks, just because okay. I think she thought I'd lost my damn mind. Like I was just calling them all the time, like convinced something was wrong. I had a little bit of spotting with this pregnancy too. So that really sent me over the edge. Oh my God. Like, yeah. I came in like the next day for another ultrasound and everything so far has been fine. But oh, good. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. There's always, um, like, I think we all know that there's no safe zone at this point, but like, right. there's always this sense of the first like sense of reassurance is kind of just like making it past where you yeah. haven't made it. You know what I mean? Like with your losses. Um, yeah. So that's exciting, but oh, I'm so happy for you. You yeah, have a you. crazy journey with that RE. She was the worst. I've already oh my told. Gosh. I mean, I know now just from this experience, you know, I follow more people like on Instagram and stuff who have similar stuff. And like, if anyone's in the Wisconsin area, I literally like message them. I said, don't go to this <laughs> doctor. She's the worst. I left a really bad, really nasty Google like review Yelp on her. <laughs> I did. I was, and I was probably not in the best place, like mentally at that point, but I was, I'm leaving this Google review and it's out there for anyone to see I like, mean, when something's so personal like that, you almost have to, because it's like, you don't want that to happen to anybody else, you know? It's, it's um, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's really, that would have just set me off. I, I'm so sorry you went through that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Those text messages, I would have just like, oh, goodness. <laughs> crazy, like, and I would go in the, to that office and tell the nurses like, yeah, you know, the doctor, she sent me these text messages and she goes, oh, I just hate when she does that. I'm like, why don't, somebody needs to stop her. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, I know that she does this all the time probably. And this is all just routine for her, but like, these are people's lives. Like people are yeah. in very vulnerable places. You can't be just nonchalantly, nonchalantly sending these text messages. Oh, it's the worst. Oh, goodness. Well, I appreciate you jumping on and sharing your story. I always ask at the end of every episode, if you had one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? Um, I would say like, 
from a practical standpoint, if they ever offer you a DNC awake, just don't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell, request it to be in the hospital to be put under anesthesia because it's very traumatic. Like no one should have to go through that. I would say like from a more global recommendation, I would say it's just that I definitely don't feel like I let myself really ever properly heal from the second miscarriage because I was just, I just wanted to, to appear to be strong and to just be like, okay, I can just get over this. But I like, just really couldn't like, just let yourself be sad. Let yourself be angry. Just cry as much as you need to like, just let it all out. Even if it means you need to, like, I didn't hang out with my friends for a long time. Like don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to be triggered by other pregnant people. Just do what you need to do to take care of yourself. Don't worry about what anyone else thinks and get help. Like when you need to, after the third miscarriage, I ended up going to therapy and that helped tremendously. Like just do whatever you need to do to take care of yourself because miscarriage is just, it's traumatic. And I feel like I'm never going to be the same person I was before and just get all the help that you can get because it's, it's awful. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree. If somebody wants to reach out to you, where could they do so? Um, so I do have Instagram. My handle is um, M-A-G-Z-L-A-T. Okay. Um, and I'll link that in the description okay. as well for everybody. Um, just reach out, relate, like, you know, yeah. we're all, we're all a big community and it really does help to just like talk to other people who have been through it, uh, especially if you find a story that you really relate to. So I appreciate you so much for hopping on and sharing your story. It's early on a Saturday. Yeah. So <laughs> I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. And good luck. We'll chat soon. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.